welcome to another Sourced Weekend Review podcast, the first weekend review for June of uh, 2022. It's winter. Jordan McDonald, welcome. Hi, Michael. My name's Michael Crutcher, and we're sitting in different chairs. I'm on the left, Jordan's on the right. Oh, yeah, I'm king of the table at the moment. <laughs> You're at the head of the table. Yes. I'm a bit thrown by this yeah, new sitting too, arrangement. I am. We'll see how we go. I can see out the window as I talk. Yes, yes, generally where I'm sitting in. Yeah, yeah it's not a, I have a view. Not a bad view there. So yeah. we come to you on the same podcast, but from different seats and with a few things to talk about this week. And Indeed. the first one we want to talk about is public perception. It's been a topic that's come up in the last week or so as Peter Dutton, the federal member for Dixon, takes over as the opposition leader in the mm-hmm. federal parliament. The Queenslander is the leader of the Liberal Party, known as a... I guess a hard man of Australian politics, a former yeah. defence minister, among other things, and seen as someone who's, you know, not been afraid to go out there and get into a bit of a tangle. But now as opposition leader, maybe you can't do that. So right. we were asked this question the other night on ABC Radio, which um, was a good thought-provoking question about how Peter Dutton has to look at his public image. Now, this is interesting for us because we have worked a lot with our clients over the years on the personality traits that you desire. So whether you're an individual or you're a business or, or whatever you may be, audiences put public, I guess, audiences put personality traits on you. So for all of these people, politicians, athletes, who are, I guess, have a public profile, people will have an idea of what sort of person they are, even though they have never met them personally and yeah. may never meet them personally. Yeah. But they decide for themselves what type of person that particular individual is. And that's where we say now you either have to work out what your real desired strengths are or and, and then try to, in, uh, to highlight those or they will be enforced for you. Mm-hmm. This is a classic example next Wednesday night, State of Origin Game 1, be a massive TV audience. It's always one of the biggest TV events of the year. So a whole bunch of people have an idea of what the Queensland players are like, yep. even though they've never met them, some of them, and may never will. So we come at this from this, um, this topic from this background. So how do you then try to enforce the personality traits you desire um, and how much harder is it when you've been around for a long time? And I guess that's a question we're looking at here. In politics, it's a bit different than it is in sports. So Paul Keating, the Prime Minister up until 1996, so many people have told me over recent years that Paul Keating was their favourite Prime Minister. Is that right? I have, but you know, I didn't hear them saying the same thing in 96 when he no. led Labor to a catastrophic loss. Um, so time and the fact that he is not a leader anymore and therefore may not be considered a threat by some people who didn't like him. Maybe that softened him over time. But I just think of a bit around sport here uh, because it's one that you can sort of look at. John McEnroe, now the old tennis player. I know I'm getting sounding old here, Jordan, when I bring up McEnroe. I must admit, I was very young when McEnroe was, uh, was playing tennis, but his presence was so interesting. We're going to have a little bit of audio here from John McEnroe being very firm with an umpire on centre court at Wimbledon. Let's have a listen to McEnroe telling an umpire what he thought about a particular line call. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! 
That ball was on the line. Chalk flew up. It was clearly in. How can you possibly call that out? How many are you going to miss? That he's walking over. Everyone knows it's in in this whole stadium. And you call it out? Explain that to me, will you? Yeah, to be fair to McEnroe Jordan, the ball was good. Yeah, it was. I reckon it was. It was flush. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> So, and now over time, of course, McEnroe's image has softened a bit. Now, more in his native United States as a New Yorker, more so in Australia. But you've had a look at a few Australian sports people in, over the years. Yeah, there's some good examples in Australia. Some that came to mind were Leighton Hewitt and Nick Kyrgios. Um, they're players with a lot of similarities. You know, early on in their careers, they're perceived as arrogant and loud and, you know, Hewitt had his trademark come on, which was, you know, very aggressive and, you know, to some provocative. But um, Have you got some uh, Leighton Hewitt come on audio? I do, I do. I'll play it now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's Hewitt's come on. We're all familiar with that. Tennis, though, has maintained a certain standard you know, or an etiquette, you know, which I think many thought these players have fallen short, for, fallen short of in the, at the start of their careers. I know Hewitt was very successful early on, but it took him a lot longer to win over the Australian public. Um, and, you know, as time's gone on, he's become a highly respected veteran of the game. The, the come on, which used to antagonise opponents and annoy crowds, has really become a part of Australian culture. And you, uh, <laughs> and you always... Yeah, no, it is. People and, do um, say it. It's right. At the end of all of his games, you knew he really left 110% out in the court, win or lose. Um, and why Hewitt and Kyrgios are similar is I think Kyrgios is going along the same path or a similar path, but we just don't know where his career will end up just yet. That's true. Where, where will that go? That's a good observation, actually. Who, uh, sorry. who, who else have you looked at? Yeah, the other one I looked at was uh, the late Shane Warne. He's another good example, and that's because you know, there's a long list of reasons why we shouldn't have idolised Warney, but that's just not why we remember mm. him. You know, after his passing, thousands of stories from the thousands mourning around the world essentially elevated him into immortal status. You know, almost everyone had a story where they'd met him, you know, and they described how happy he was to have made their day and how sad they are that now he's gone. You know, he was a a massive Aussie personality and a legend of, you know, one of our nation's favourite games. He um, was so street smart, Warnie, and I think he was one of them the masters of this in his own street smart way of putting out there the I guess the personality traits he wanted to put out there Mm -hmm. Um, I think he did it very well and he was a master in in times of crisis and let's face it he had a few had a few few moments of crisis and uh, we sometimes now working with clients in um, times that might be a bit uncomfortable, we will sometimes say, what would Warney do? <laughs> Which for <laughs> a client that might uh, have a pretty serious situation, what would Warney do doesn't sound it's like... It's comforting, is it? No, you don't take a lot of heart <laughs> from that. But he was excellent. I, and he I, was. As a cricket writer, I covered too many Shane Warne crisis moments. Uh, but the way he conducted himself after those crisis moments... He would come out and make himself really visible for the next few days. Mm-hmm. He'd be happy to do interviews. He would speak a lot. Um, and it sort of had that effect of people at home. I'm talking about when we were overseas and I was a cricket writer doing these stories. Um, and people at home watching and you could just see them 
you know, uh, saying, good on you, Warnie. Great to see you out there, Warnie. That's great. And you see Warn's critics who would sit there and go, this guy's still on TV. Are you kidding? Nothing stops him. He's got to go and take a break. You know, but he was very good at it. And then when he was playing really well and not with the um, a personal crisis, he often wouldn't do much media because he'd let his stuff on the field do it for him. Yeah. And let crowds talk about him, etc. So he yeah, was yeah. a master of it, Warney, in his own, you know, street smart way. He wasn't about to write a paper about it, but <laughs> he, he could he could do it. What, what are your thoughts on this whole change of public perception? What I think is important is for perceptions to change over time, you have to be seen to have done more good than bad. You know, Australians give respect to people who withstand the pressures of being professional in their field uh, and then deliver results. And what that does over time is develop a sense of pride among the Australian audience. So that pride emotion is extremely powerful. We talk about it a lot here at work. Um, yeah. Because once that's established, people then prefer to remember someone for their achievements and the good they did rather than the worst things they might have said or done. That's true. Make people feel proud. That's exactly right. And Shane Warne is a perfect example of this. Um, forgiveness is another important quality and factor that Australians in particular are pretty good at. We're pretty forgiving people. So when we look at you know the Shane Warne and the Leighton Hewitt, people, the Australian audience have weighed it up and they've decided ultimately they brought them more joy than their wrongdoings and their wrongdoings were forgivable. Mm. Yeah, I think there's some good points there you're right about the pride i think for peter dutton he's not a he's not an athlete obviously and he's still a politician and i think mm. it's difficult for him to change a perception when he's the opposition leader i mean the nature of his job title is to oppose uh, and that's what's going to make it difficult for him however he's not now going to be seen by voters as being in a situation of power so because he's not part of the government so there may be something a bit different in the sense that he um he, he's not a, as big a threat to some voters as they may have seen him he may win a bit of the underdog tag because he is the opposition leader australians love un underdogs love underdog. maybe that's something i don't know but he does have a fair bit of work there oh yeah uh, and watching that over the next few years will be very interesting. Um, it's certainly not going to change overnight. It's not like he's going to uh, go and uh, rescue a, uh, a dog from the side of the highway or something like that and be, you know, it's not going to happen. He's going to have to work um, work on this. We'll keep an eye on it as time goes on, but, you know, the ability to change perception when you've been around as long as Peter Dutton, and he's a very good local member from everything we hear. I mean, he has done a lot to get retained in that seat multiple occasions when, as um, Simon Jackman told us on a podcast last week or this week, he's had the kitchen sink thrown at him. So let's just see what happens from here, but uh, I guess to take it, it won't be easy. Now, also uh, this week, Jordan, uh, we're looking at a topic we have discussed before, we have to discuss it because it seems like everybody else is discussing it. The end of the defamation court hearing between, if we have some sort of drum roll, Johnny Depp and Amber <laughs> Heard. For those who don't know, what happened in the end? Oh, thank God it's over. We finally saw the end of this, uh, this drawn-out trial. So the result was Johnny Depp was successful in his defamation suit. He receives 
10.35 million US in damages and punitive damages. And Amber, whilst less successful, she was still awarded 2 million US in damages after it was found that Depp's lawyer defamed her when he called her abuse claims a hoax. <laughs> now, the likely next phase of this this saga is that is a, it's a likely appeal to come from Miss Herbert. We'll wait to see if that happens. But um, my, my interest in this, now that it's over, has been to look back on the public interest. And it's been extremely high throughout the entire trial. So and We've mentioned this before on the Week in Review, but it yeah, is ridiculously high. It has high. been extremely high. And I looked at a couple of reports today. Um, so the, the trial was broadcast over YouTube and then the clips of that obviously went through in the form of memes on TikTok and Snapchat and various other platforms. But in the six weeks of, of trial broadcast, a total of eight, 83.9 million hours was watched on YouTube and uh, the biggest peak audience of 3.5 million was uh, when the verdict was being announced. My goodness me. It's an enormous number. So uh, a significant spike that was seen prior to that one was also when Johnny himself took the stand to testify. This was towards the start of the of the trial because um, in the first three days of the trial when his friends and family were testifying, there was only 600,000 hours watched. Okay. So, yeah, he was... Uh, supporting a, cast. Yeah, not, supporting not cast. He yep. was certainly the, the headliner. Um if we looked at Twitch too, which is a competitor of YouTube for, for streaming, uh, it tracks mentions of the case and then mentions of Heard and Depp specifically. On that first day of trial, the case was mentioned 8,000 times. But then when the photos that uh, showed Amber and her, her injuries were mentioned in the trial, the word trial itself went up and mentioned 16,000 times and her name has, was mentioned 9,000. Um, but, again, we've known that the public stood behind Johnny quite strongly. Yes, we've said that before, which didn't seem like it would be a guaranteed no, outcome, but no, it, it stayed pretty not. stable right the it way has, through. Has, there's been enormous support for Johnny and um, he, he saw the most mentions... Uh, of the trial at 14,000 mentions on the 27th of May, which was the final day of hearings. So another report I looked at, just to sum it all up, in terms of just how popular this was with the public, Newswhip gave us a, uh, a snapshot yesterday of the top 10 most engaged articles across uh, Facebook. And uh, in a rare result, all 10 articles were about the Depp Heard verdict. See, that, that's astonishing. So those top 10 articles on Facebook on the one day yesterday, the top 10, all articles that referred to debt versus herd. Yep, every single one. They all had over 100,000 engagements each. So what do you make of this? Look, the, the interest and support for Johnny in particular, I think has really sustained this. Plus um, the... The evidence and the clips and the memes made of Amber have really uh, taken a hold of the audience as well. So as much as people loved Johnny Depp, they also defended him just as hard and I think they, uh, they rallied around Johnny to sort of push Amber out of it and make sure she wasn't the focus. But, you know, it was always going to come to a climax at the verdict. So 
as uh, as we've drawn closer and more evidence has come out, the, the interest keeps rising and then now we finally arrive. So it's a great combination of modern technology and uh, social media. So we've got the modern technology being here's my smartphone. So I've finished work, I'm on the train on the way home from work or I'm on the bus, I'm just going to get my headphones on Mm -hmm. and I'm going to catch up with what's happening in the herd depth situation. Then I'm going to go onto social media and potentially share something that um, I've seen of that with my friends. Um, And before I know it, I'm at my final train stop or bus stop, I'm getting off and uh, to go home and there you go, I've done that. And I've shared stuff with my friends and family and that combination of that, even younger kids, we've mentioned before the tie up between uh, Amber Heard and Elon Musk as former partners and Elon Musk is one of these guaranteed box office names on uh, social media as well. So. Yeah, so just a, a really interesting example of uh, the combination of modern technology and social media. Exactly. It, like, I don't think a case you know, with this much public interest has had this much public accessibility. You know, like the, the whole trial from start to finish was live streamed daily. Yeah. You know, and then the, the content that came out of that, which really centred on key parts that either supported or went against Amber or for Johnny or against Johnny. So... You know, it was the it was the social social experiment in the sense where people had made up the, made up, make up their own mind on the case, and they certainly did. Yeah, at, at its core, take all the technology and social media away. It's that voyeuristic look into yes. uh, two people's disagreement and deciding which side you're on and watching it until the end. That's so, it. but we're glad it's over. Um, but um, I guess we talk about social media benefiting from these things. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about what's been happening lately with TikTok because it's really interesting. Talk or rant? I think this probably <laughs> this probably slides to the side of rant. Well, you're in the right hand chair now. That's I the am. R- I am. You've had your Twitter rant. I'm going to have my TikTok rant this now. Is, it's the rant chair. It so is take the rant over. Chair. So I'm going to have a little rant here on TikTok because I think the the ads are getting a bit out of control. I likened it to that dodgy website you click on, which has those spam pop ups coming yep. up everywhere. Um, I just wanted to just explain, like I opened up TikTok just before the podcast just to have a look at the state of it now and this is what I had to go through. So you open it up, the first thing you see after a few seconds is, or well, the first video on the feed's an ad with this minuscule little skip button in the top right-hand corner. So you uh, can't quite get your finger to hit oh, skip. Oh, me and my fat fingers almost <laughs> guaranteed to click the ad, which then takes us out of the feed to the ad oh, and no. opens up a new window. So then I've got to go back and close that. Then I've got to swipe to find the first news feed video, but before I can do that, I get a little present sticker in the top left corner, which again has a ridiculously annoying small close button, which I'll probably hit that again and open up. The rewards program thing, which they're promoting at the moment, you close that and then you get another full overlay on the screen of the rewards program, trying to get you to engage with that again. You close that and then you can start scrolling through your feed. But then the other thing is, I reckon I'm seeing an ad now, probably two ads every 10 to 12 videos. Oh, Whereas really? previously, um, you'd be lucky to see one every 50 videos, you know? Now, I'm aware of why I'm seeing more ads. I know that TikTok has set out to triple its ad revenue this year from the $4 billion it uh, earned last year. And to do that, it doubled the size of its advertising products and the technical teams last year. 
but I'm getting a bit concerned that TikTok might be heading in the direction of becoming a trashy digital billboard. Yeah, and sounds I'm not, like it. Yeah, I'm not the only one either. I, uh, I read an article today that uh, came up four days ago and it, uh, it documents complaints from other users uh, about the increase in ads on TikTok. Now, this likely stems from a change TikTok also made last year to help with their ad, rev- ad revenue, which um, saw them make ads mandatory as a part of the app, whereas yeah. previously you could opt to not see any ads at all. Now, while I prefer not to see ads, they're here to stay. So to, uh, to those that use TikTok at home, there is a way <laughs> you can at least turn off personalised ads so you're not seeing ads that are just that are all based on content you watch. So how do you do this? So you jump into your privacy settings. I keep headbutting my microphone so here you're in the so wrong, you'll hear the places You're in the constantly. wrong seat. That's what's happening. I there. am, I am. And I've got a big nose. <laughs> um, but if you jump into your privacy settings in the app, you'll see a little toggle there which you can disable personalised ads. You know, this, this might mean that the ads annoy you more or less, but, you know, you'd hope that seeing ads that are less personalised, you might be able to ignore them a bit better. So that's a good thing. You've kept the listeners all the way to the end to give them the tip for TikTok. I'm interested, uh, Ranch Chair Man, mm. on what other rewards in TikTok. What if you click on the reward? What are they trying to like? Fewer ads or what? What are the rewards? Oh, there's, no, there's nothing fewer ads. It's it's you know how in your live stream, if you watch a live stream on Instagram, you get all the the uh, reactions that can float up on the screen, and then TikTok on their live stream, you can reward that content creator with you know a present you know typically that's it's like a it's a form of revenue that the streamer can make okay so you can send rewards to friends or right. to content creators and it's, it's it's a whole thing they're trying to get on to bolster yep. up their live streaming yep. um capabilities that's a decent rant it's a decent rant i'm out of breath i uh, <laughs> uh it's well done i take your point on that now i'm not a TikTok person mm. uh although th- I've always been fascinated by the likes of Twitter. And so we're not talking to Facebooks here who have no. been masters of ad revenue, but um, the likes of Twitter who haven't really managed to really get that ad revenue going for the numbers of uh, users that they have. Yep. Um, so I'll be keen to see what TikTok does over time to see if those revenues improve because we know that social media history has shown us that just because you have a stack of users doesn't mean you'll get a stack of uh, big profits either. That's that's exactly right. Okay, so with that rant over, what happens on the weekend for you, the first weekend of winter? I have a very quiet weekend coming up. I just have one gig tomorrow night, which is nice and early too, but uh, yeah, what about this afternoon? I think a haircut and seeing a mate for dinner and then Sunday and Saturday will be... Home, I reckon. And what time is an early gig for you to finish? Oh, this will be at 11pm finish, just nice and early. Oh, so early, yeah. That's, so uh, early. That's very early, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's um, Winter Racing Carnival continues. Oaks Day tomorrow, followed by, go straight from the Oaks to Bishop Park for the Devils and the Sunshine Coast Falcons, second versus third. Mm, good game. Oh, well, will it be if we win? Yeah. So Bad game if you lose. Yeah, fingers crossed. Have a great weekend. Too.